You're listening to the Bass Lessons Melbourne podcast, episode 7, Tim Lefebvre. Hey guys, Craig from Bass Lessons Melbourne here. Um, very lucky to be joined today by Mr. Tim Lefebvre. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy schedule. You got it, you got it. To come and hang, man. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're here with Tedeschi Trucks. Right. Yep. yep. How would you say that gig um, compares to other stuff that you've done in the past? Uh, I, I kind of required me to pay attention more to how... Basically, when, when I first started coming out, you know, I, I was first playing basically... My first real gig in New York was like Laney Stern and Wayne Cranston. I learned a lot from both of them. But the thing about Wayne's gig was like, you know, using stuff from like, like playing 70s jamerson kind of stuff like didn't work on that gig to me. It didn't sound right to him or me. So like I, I didn't, I always avoided it. So, you know, until I joined this band. <laughs> so I had the kind of zero or very thin knowledge of how to play like from that style the 70s style because it wasn't wasn't something I was hearing yeah. now I'm hearing it and it's fun and it's cool like but I didn't know how to do it before so like that was kind of the learning curve for me like yeah. to play legit you know R&B stuff it's like classic R&B like Willie Weeks and Jerry Jamat so you had dug, dug into the archives yeah I mean not too hard but enough enough to, to make it sound real you know yeah I mean it's, it's, it's a lot of it requires just playing a lot it's a lot of playing yeah. Like playing. Did you guys have a big rehearsal schedule? Um, we rehearsed a bit, which is good. It's helpful. You know, Derek. Derek's great at, at um, knowing when to. to he's, he's like a good puppeteer. There's a lot of people to manage. So like he's he's good at like knowing when to pull the strings and making things happen with the band. Mm. Like just by adding a tune or two, like changes the whole kind of direction and kind of improvisatory direction of the band. So it's it's super cool. Yeah, it's super yeah. fun. Nice one. Um, and obviously, you were just on the most recent Bowie album. Right. What were a couple of the things that you took away from that that maybe surprised you, or you kind of go, "That's something that I can take forward and use"? I, just the, the main thing is like you know how, how brave a guy he was, and like how he's just like, "Fuck it, I'm just doing this record. I don't care." Like I think he was like that about all his records, but like this one especially is just like you know this is what this is, and yeah. you know here you go. And so like that's inspired me to just be more brave about stuff I want to do, like, like anything I'm producing or playing on. You know, it's like. Kind of, I'm sort of like at the point where it's just like, you know, especially anything I produce, it's like I've stopped being self-conscious about it. It's like if it's as long as I'm doing it well and right, yeah. you know, especially when I'm producing stuff, it's like it's I'm gonna just do it because it's like I don't care if it fits into any genre, you know. He didn't, he didn't care, you know. Yeah. And also, like you know, I also can't. I have a shorter leash for people is, who are dicks. So it's like you know, he's also one of the best guys. You know, just knowing him very briefly, like he's an awesome guy, like no pretension, no nothing. So like anybody who's pretentious now, I don't have time for. Yeah. Fair so there's that. Good, good stuff. Um, how would you describe your your playing style, and what do you think? Why do you think people book you instead of somebody else? I don't know, and I don't know. Okay. To answer the bo- <laughs> both <laughs> questions, <coughs> I got a stick in my throat. Um, I don't know. I just kind of do, you know. Initially, it all kind of came out of Daryl Jones and Marcus Miller and Victor Bailey. Like, mm-hmm. and then I was pretty influenced by those guys in the '80s and '90s. So, like, I kind of, and then kind of via via osmosis, I've I've you know gone back to check out who Daryl Jones was checking out, which I have a feeling was a lot of Willie Weeks, mm-hmm. and. Um, and Marcus Miller, you know, like Marcus Miller, I haven't been listening to lately, but you know, back in the day with like Miles Davis and stuff, like all those guys, the guys who went through the Miles Davis weather report, um, you know, Sting, blah, 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 like all those guys were kind of rotating on that circle of cake, so like they were pretty influential on me. So, um, 
yeah, so that was kind of where I was coming from for a while. Now it's just, you know, whatever it is, it is. Like, now I'm influenced by Pino Palladino and Rusty Allen and Larry Graham, like a bunch of different people. Like, and it just sort of just comes out however it comes out, electronic you know. Electronic music. Yeah, electronic music, yeah, I forgot about that. Um, but not really so much of the new stuff. I mean, I'll, some of it I like. I'm, I'm really into Noah. was a friend of mine, Louis Cole yeah. and, and um, yeah. Genevieve Artati. So I like that they're... What's funny is like they, you know, Lewis would claim that I'm influential on him, which is hilarious. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> which is funny. So it's like kind of a nice trade-off. Sweet. So. Um, and obviously, you know, you like to use a couple of pedals, as we've already mm -hmm. seen today. What's been your, were you always a pedal guy or was it when you got I was always using the octave pedal, but it was like project. sort of, it wasn't, but it wasn't supposed to be, I got, you know, the idea I got it from was, some of it was initially Pino Palladino, but most of it was Daryl Jones. When he, okay. Like there was a, a Sting video uh, called Bring on the Night where you could hear him like put on the pedal on certain like I think it was called Consider Me Gone or something like that and it's like she's not playing much in the track but like you know he put it on at one point when you know it really made the track take off yeah, yeah. so like I was like sort of getting into that kind of thing so I started I started using it with Wayne Krantz and you know that's what it's that's what it all started with and then I just kind of got once I got into drum and bass I started adding other stuff and yeah. I think my my first exposure to an octave pedal was uh, Juan Nelson with Ben Harper. Oh yeah, could be. Yeah, that's that when I first heard it and I went and I bought an octobase. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Nice. Um, so you mentioned um, Wayne Krantz. Mm -hmm. um, how did you, how do you approach that kind of um, improvisation, like the rhythmic improvisation in that kind of setting? Uh, it just took some second, uh, like a little bit, it took some, some getting used to, like conceptually, like that's what, you know, I, I'm sort of self-taught, but if I had to consider anybody a teacher, it would be Wayne, because yeah. it's just like his whole concept was different. And, and also, like, we had been doing stuff before Keith Carlock got in the band, but then once Keith, Keith got in the band, it kind of took on its own uh, kind of chemistry thing, and it just like, so basically it was just, you know, improvising for a long time, and it, mostly eight-bar phrases. Unless otherwise noted, and it's just sort of like you know, kind of always was evolving, like kind of like the Bill Evans trio, kind of wasn't really coming out of that, but it was it kind of conceptually similar. Okay, we're just going and going, usually just one key. So like it's just kind of, so just a lot of it just came to just doing it over and over. We rehearsed, and then we had we had two nights a week at the fifty five bar, so it was a lot of doing mm -hmm. that. So like a lot of my sound came from just doing that gig, you know, because we played a lot together. Like Keith Wayne and I, that's kind of like you know that that was the band back then, like yeah. four or five years of that a lot so yeah yeah cool um any plans for a tim lafave band no not, no really? nah. yeah. do you write much or i, I am writing I'm, but i'm collaborating with a bunch of other people right. like i've been I've, i'm working with this artist emily zuzik right now so that record's almost done um i've been producing that uh, i've been writing with gary novak and this uh mc named kokai who used to rap with steve coleman and uh, he's got from washington dc and basically it's just bass drums and and him okay cool. um it was kind of avant rap kind of shit, and um, I've been writing with Empire of the Sun, which is apparently a famous. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I was kind of writing, you know, I'm trying to. Yeah, um, but, but it, yeah, but I, I don't feel any strong need to do a solo bass record or you know have a band or anything yeah. like that. I mean, you know, I got plenty enough other stuff going on. This is yeah. like you know, <laughs> <laughs> nobody's clamoring for me to have a solo record, so it's okay. No um. I know you're living in LA, is that right? Mm -hmm. How long have you been in there for? Five years. Five years. Yeah. How do you find the switch between New York and LA? Uh, it's much more pleasant to live in LA yeah. than New York. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the urban jungle kind of just got on my nerves after a while. I thought, you know, 
it's really hard to get around. I mean, it's kind of hard to get around in L.A. too, but it's harder to get around in New York. It's more mm. miserable and crowded and stuff. <laughs> Beautiful city, and the people there are amazing, you yeah. know, no doubt. But it's, this was time for me to go. And did you find you got, you got more um, film work? No, I mean, that was the initial, the initial plan was to get that, yeah. to get that going on now. But you know what's funny? Like, I got more busy in New York, like all this other stuff. As soon as I, sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, shaking the tree a little bit. You know, I didn't do anything differently, but all of a sudden I started getting really, really busy. It was crazy. Like, some of it came from being in L.A. Some of it, you know, I just started meeting more people, you know, and then sort of, you know, the circles got smaller and smaller, and then, you know, just all this crazy stuff started happening. Yeah. But, you know, like, Bowie record happened because of my New York affiliations, and Tedeschi Trucks was a combination of stuff, but, but uh, you know, it's, it's all, who knows, you know, it's just, you know, yeah. it's good. If I could live in both places, I would, but, you know. For sure. Um, and you're rocking the, the Mulan yep. P. Yep. Um, how do you find this compared to like a, a classic Fender or what, what we know? Uh, it's funny. I, well, I have, when I have flat ones on this, it compares very favorably to mm. it. Although this one's a little more turbified. It's like a little more, the pickups are a little darker and woolier mm -hmm. than uh, the ones he's making now, yep. which are very vintage, like like 59P. I think he's modeling them after him. So that so the new the newer P's are are sounding very vintage. In words, this one's not quite as vintage sounding, but it feels in, you know, just the greatest bass I've ever played, honestly. Yeah. And um, so, but it still sounds, you know, I've done a bunch of recordings with it. It, can, it sounds very P-like, you know. Yeah. I just, you know, but it just feels incredible and like the, the way it plays in the right hand is incredible. It just, just, just fits. Yeah, so, I'm serious, my favorite bass ever. Yeah, so it's, you know, I've been using it a lot. Yeah. And plus, you know, it barks the effects nice. It's like it, it, it okay. hits, yeah, like that's that's for sure. Like like it, older, you know, real vintage vintage Fender P's don't hit the effects as good mm -hmm. as this does. Yeah, that's true. You know, because like you know, also I have Ramons on it, so like it has more little tonal tonal yep. stuff. That is this what you're using with Tedeschi trucks? Yeah, I'm using this. This is like the secondary bass in Tedeschi trucks. Like I switch it over when it's more a little more rock vibe. Okay. Most of the time, I'm using a 63P. And last year I was using a 68P, which is what I did Blackstar on, and, and, and uh, Tedeschi Trucks let me get by record. So, but it's, I, I found that it was like really hard to play with my right hand, so I, I, I just brought it home to LA and I got a new yep. 63P, an uh, old 63P, yeah. Which is actually even better sounding than the 68, so it's cool, yeah. So most of the time I use that. Yeah, it's totally when, and the thing is, it's like, you know, because it's a lot of playing and it's like it's a long show and it's mm. pretty physical, so like, if it, if the right hand isn't working for you, it's, it's brutal. No, it's just a, just a, it's a give thing. Like right. there was just no. I've had that that problem before with like a five string I had. It was just like totally dead in the right hand. So like no matter how hard you hit it or light you hit it, it's just it's kind of the same. Yeah. So, you know that's that's right. And there's really nothing you can you can't fix it or anything. It's no, just, it just is what it is. A wood, wood combination thing. Yeah, it's yeah. a tension. It's just weird stuff. Like whereas this you know this has all kinds of give and the new one has give. It's like it's a nice bounce to the how yeah. the string goes. So. Yeah, cool. um, you, you mentioned um, Noor. Noor, yeah. 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 Um, I think we're doing a gig May 2nd okay. in, in L.A. Yeah. A live gig. He hasn't done a live gig in a while. Usually they just do duo gigs with, with Lewis and Genevieve, but it's kind of the, yeah, cool. putting the band back together. Man. <laughs> Is there any, any other kind of current uh, bands that you've been, been checking out? Uh, I'm really into this band from the U.K. called Fink. Like, I'm kind of obsessed, actually. Okay. It's kind of acoustic guitar, but it's kind of vibey and... The songs are really the guy's voice is incredible. All right. uh, I just got the new Massive Attack record, really good. Uh, what else did I just get? Uh, I'm gonna go on tour very briefly with Brian Adams in April, <laughs> so I'm gonna be checking that out. Okay. Although it's not like I have to check. I mean, the guy's got so many number one hits. It's like, you, you know, yeah, maybe more or less. Yeah, and he's just such a cool guy, and he chased me down. You know, 
and then he could made it impossible to say no. Super good guy. Sounds like it's going to be fun. So that will be fun. Yeah. And what else is happening in 2016? Uh, that's it. There's going to be uh, doing a new record with Johnny McCaslin Quartet. That's the band that did Black Star. Yeah. So it's like Mark and Mark, uh, Mark Juliana, Jason Linder, and Donnie. Uh, produced by Dave Benning. Casting Gravity. Casting for Gravity and uh, uh, Fast Future. So we're doing another one in April. Um, that's going to happen. What else? I'm going to produce a couple more projects. Yeah. Probably this artist, Rachel Eckroth, who's a keyboard player with um, keyboard and singer with um, KT Tunstall's band. Oh, okay. A good Scottish singer. Yeah. She's Scottish? I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, small world. Yeah, she's great. It's fun. I'm a fan of hers. So yeah, it's going to be cool. What's the what's the um, the Donny process like? Is is it charts and dots? Yeah, it's charts. It's definitely charty. But then but then it's like you know the band is like the the strong part of that band is its ability to improvise together. So like it yeah. ends up getting kind of way off the page, yeah. which is cool. And that's the point of it, I guess. Uh, it can be. I mean, sometimes it's you know, sometimes it's not the point. But sometimes you know, like we're all we're at our best when it's when that is the point. That's yeah. for sure. That's you know. Point. Yeah, it's, it's been an uh, interesting year for, the, for that group of indi individuals, you know, because we all played on Blackstar, and it's just yeah. been nuts. It's crazy, it's you know. Awesome. Yeah, it's just, a, it's, it's kind of life-changing, you know, it's like, yeah. it wasn't supposed to be, and I didn't think, of, you know, when we were recording the record, it was like, you know, like, Bowie was so cool, and like, you know, and um, so we just wanted to do a good record for the guy, you know, and then, yeah. then when it started coming out, it was like, holy shit, we're on a Bowie record. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> and it turned out to be the last one, more or less, and it's just like, it's yeah. bananas. So everybody's everybody's getting a little got a little more visible. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if anyone deserves it, you guys certainly oh, deserve it. So thanks. I mean, you know, it could have been anybody, but I'm glad it was us. Yeah, it's fun. No, Tim, that's been uh, great. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. Anytime. Thanks for watching, guys. Thanks. See you next time. Mm -hmm.